0: When I think of someone uh, who has had a great career and had a wonderful life, uh, I never think of the word that this was a perfect person. I, I, I think of words uh, in terms of character, uh, integrity, class, uh, unselfish, giving. Those, those words for me Form the
1: term perfection of life welcome to impractically perfect in a world where everyone's fighting to be flawless we bring you the inspiring stories of accomplished performers i'm your host sports psychologist dr casey cooper learn the secrets to their success from the best in the world of sports art theater and business their stories will inspire you to find your personal best Life's better when we realize we're all a little impractically perfect. My guest today is known as the man behind the scene for one of the most successful business legacies in Los Angeles, the builder of the last Dodger team to win a World Series, due in part to his progressive use of analytics and communication strategies. Now, I like to believe that if perfectionism had a sport developed in its honor, it might just look something like our country's pastime. So (laughs) I am so pleased to welcome to the show the great Fred Clare.
0: Thank you, Casey, and a pleasure to be with you.
1: I'm interested in what intrigued you about the topic of perfectionism and the chance to speak about it. Well, what intrigued
0: me uh, was from uh, you reaching out and I hadn't thought so much about the term uh, perfectionism or perfection. Uh, because very frankly, in my own words, it's not a, uh, a practical goal. But but I realized in, in reading and researching a little bit uh, how dangerous the strive can be. Because from a personal standpoint, uh, or in the teams that I was involved with, or my own career, perfection, uh, the word perfection, was never, was never a goal for me. Uh, I, I prefer, for me, a more realistic term of doing the best that I can, doing the best that one can on a daily basis. Uh, that, that, that's, really, that, that's really my driving uh, thought.
1: You know, it's interesting that you would say that because our guest last episode was Coach Sue Enquist, a former Coach Wooden mentee. And she gave a very similar answer. And I'm wondering if there's something about, have you read his work or where did your definition come from if it was not from a similar place? Well, my definition really
0: uh, comes from my own experience. Uh, I've been fortunate to, uh, to know many, many successful people uh, in sports and out of sports and um, When I think of someone uh, who has had a great career and had a wonderful life, uh, I never think of the word that just was a perfect person. I I, I think of words uh, in terms of character, uh, integrity, class, uh, unselfish, giving. Those words for me, Form the term perfection of a life, and uh, and that that's how I uh, uh, I, I believe in uh, in in the best approach that one can have in business or in life. And of course, uh, we've spoken offline somewhat about uh, John Wooden's uh, quote about the difference between uh, reputation and character, and. Uh, as always, Coach Wooden and I had the honor to know uh, Coach Wooden as a friend. Uh, his his words always meant so much because when when I think of um, two really great people in the world of sports in terms of people who led the type of lives that we should all strive for would be Coach Wooden and Ben Scully. Uh, and uh, they were very similar in that they – were such giving people who, who, who just on, on a daily basis, and in their careers, wanted to be the best that they could be, and were always giving, were always striving uh, to be the best, but in such a, a way that reflected uh, the human kindness uh, okay. that was part of their souls, is part of their souls.
1: I I love that you distinguish the difference between the progress, the process approach to life versus an outcome-oriented approach and evaluation. And and so often in, in leadership positions, we're pushed to focus on that outcome measure to determine success. And yet everything you're describing sounds like, how did you go about achieving success? You know, as a longtime manager and someone who had to be in that position of leadership, um, looking back, how do you think you were able to maintain a focus on that and develop people as opposed to results while still getting results? Jim, Jim Collins' book
0: is the one book that I would recommend for anyone interested in business or indeed in sports, because... You know, the background of that is Collins and his uh, study group at Stanford uh, examined um, any number of companies, publicly traded companies, and then they established a criteria for what made these companies great, the good to great. It didn't have to do with stock price. It had to do with how the companies were run. And part of that, Casey, was this. There are two terms that uh, Jim Collins used in his book that I think apply here. One is the flywheel process. Day after day, we continue on the flywheel. And when you have success, it doesn't just break through in one day. That's not the way that it happens, it is indeed a process. And the other term he used that I really like, and, and incidentally, only one sports figure is mentioned in this book. that happens to be the man that we've referenced, Coach Wood. But the, the other term that Jim Collins used and his students in this book were hedgehogs. And uh, I thought of the Dodgers uh, uh, and the success of the Dodger organization. We definitely were part of a flywheel, learning, trying to do the best that we could, but we were indeed, as sophisticated as the Dodgers may seem, hedgehogs really applied because we got after it
1: every mm-hmm. day.
0: We dug and, and we tried and, and we worked. And there was this total team effort that didn't always lead to success. It wasn't always the ending of a World Series. Uh, I was fortunate in my career. To be a part of a World Series teams in 74 and 77 and 78 and 81 and 88. And 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 that's all nice. But there were 30 years. You don't do it every year. But Mm -hmm. the process needs to remain not the same. It needs to be consistent and needs to be improved. Learning from the process.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Learning from it. I love I, I love how you point out how above, you know, what the public gets to see might look so polished and organized, but behind the scenes, you know, there's a lot of things that sort of happen when you least expect it. And um, I, I can say that, I, you know, in my brief time working um, behind the scenes with professional sports organizations in many different leagues, I would agree with that sentiment. You know, you don't want to know what happens behind the curtain. Right. You just want to focus on the show. But there's so much extra work that most people don't even realize that goes into things. I wanted to ask you a little bit about generationally some of the changes you've seen, because you have this unique perspective of being able to see so many, you know, be able to speak to that type of cultural shift and dynamic on this topic. Have you seen some of the more recent younger generations, either in your family or in the business work that you're doing and how younger generations are maybe dealing with expectations differently and having a harder time seeing the big picture that you're talking about?
0: I left the Dodgers. One of the things that I wanted to do was to teach, was to help to guide in any way that I could and, uh, and so uh, my first position after being with the Dodgers was at uh, USC uh, with Jeff Fellinger. launched the class, uh, <laughs> Sports, Business, and Media, through the Annenberg School. And I saw there, we didn't know, how, this class was just starting. This was mm-hmm. 20 years ago. We didn't know whether we would have five students, 10 students, 15 or 20. We had more than 200. It had to be held in the Annenberg Auditorium. And so I've stayed connected. I was fortunate to be able to help start at Long Beach State through my friend, Bill Schumart, uh, the sports management program at Long Beach State. And then I helped students launch a program at Fordham University, a student program interested in sports. And uh, then my last position, education, was a, a great honor to be able to teach the first sports business class at Caltech. So, uh, so I, I, I have, I, I've been in touch you know, through the years. Um, and uh, I, I think really, uh, when I think back and, and I relate even to ball players and how they change, and this may be a good example because I've often said, with all of the changes in the game, one thing has remained consistent the, the athletes themselves, the players, who have a love for a sport and want to be as good as they can be and want to achieve and want to enjoy what they do. But what's really interesting, and I think this applies to overall society, that those players are the same, whether it was people that I knew like Roy Campanella or Carl Erskine or the boys of summer, or whether it was Garvey, Lopes, Russell Say, or whether it was the Dodgers of today. What's changed is all of the surrounding elements. And they are, and that part is a very influential factor. The the, the heart and the soul of the athlete is the same as it was when he was six and seven years old. But it's a greater challenge today because our society has changed so much that it's become so much more complicated. So you as an athlete have to take more control of your goals because there are more influences and many of them, many of them are not positive.
1: Are you speaking to technology when you think of that?
0: Uh, I'm speaking of technology, but even more than that, I'm 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 speaking to uh, other influences that are there uh, in terms of, of uh, the perception by the young person as how he views success mm-hmm. and how important it is for each of us to find the best possible mentors yes. so that we have the best possible guidance because that's more that's more difficult today because our society is so much more complicated i mean it gets more complicated by the day yes. and uh uh and more challenging by the t- by the day the things that are happening uh, from a uh geopolitical standpoint. Yeah. Our, our, our world uh, is, is shrinking and, and, uh, and so much is, seems to be colliding. I, I don't want to get off on the political front, but I'm just saying no, but all I think of you this, all of this everywhere. your point. Yeah, and, and, and technology is definitely a part of this, because we can't avoid it. It's front and center, and there has been a huge change, obviously, Uh, In terms of, I grew up in a small town in Ohio. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, with an interest in sports and in writing and in journalism, my news at that time came from five daily newspapers in Los Angeles so that I could absorb, learn, uh, be informed. But I I didn't have this flood that came over (laughs) me, not every day. Every hour, mm-hmm. so th- th- those are changes. But I, I, I think of it, and I continue to meet uh, in my involvement with students and trying to be helpful to them. So I'm just a lone voice uh, in in a crowded environment, trying to help guide young people be the best that they can be. Guide young people. Follow your passion. What is it you want to do? What is it that that's important to you? Let, let's talk about how you want your life to be. What you want, What are your goals? What, what do you want to do? Uh, and, and that's so uh, uh, exciting to me. Uh, because if you can make a little bit of an impact just on one life, that uh, sounds trite, but it's true, That then you've accomplished something.
1: I was so humbled when you agreed to have this conversation, when I consider... All of the things that you're involved in and, um, I, and it really it speaks to your character that you're able to offer that type of advice to young people. Because a lot of times right now what I hear from young adults is that if I'm not up to date on everything, on, the, on all the information available in whatever space it is that I'm seeking to excel in, that then I won't succeed because my competition will be. And to help them realize, first of all, that's just not even possible because, as you pointed out, it's a flood, it's a tidal wave of information. Um, But really what they bring to the space is what's going to help them make an impact. So I'm so glad you pointed that out. Such an important distinction. You could please uh, share with the audience the things that um, we can do to continue to follow your work. Uh, I'm
0: now part of a podcast titled Life in the Front Office. And I've combined with uh, two very experienced and highly accomplished people in Andy Dolich and Pat Gallagher, both from the Bay Area. Andy was with the Warriors, the A's when I first met him, uh, the 49ers. Pat was a long time Giants executive uh, who had great accomplishments as Andy did. But it's interesting that this really started from a young man by the name of Jake Hirschman, who's really what I term our quarterback. Jake reached out to me when he was going to the University of Redlands and said, can I meet with you? And this came through social media. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, of course, he was going to Redlands. He was interested in sports um, and wanted to see if he could find a career. Uh, Said, come to my office in Pasadena. Jake came in. And what's really interesting is a very clever guy. It's one of the few people, it's not the only, that I've ever met with a student of this, uh, of this nature. He brought a cup of coffee for me and a cup of coffee for him. And I thought, this guy's pretty creative. But anyway, Jake and I have stayed in touch. I have helped mentor him. He's gone into baseball, uh, worked for a major league club, and now is... Uh, at uh, the University of Purdue, Purdue University, uh, in fundraising, marketing. So he reached out uh, to want, see if it was possible to do this podcast. So the young guy is really the creator of bringing these three old guys together. So uh, I uh, have stayed involved in that, so uh, more specifically in answer to your question, that I can be found on Facebook, or I can be found through the podcast, or that I can be found on Twitter. But what's really driven me, Casey, uh, the last uh, two years, uh, more than two years now, is that uh, two years ago in August, uh, I was diagnosed uh, with cancer. Uh, I had a little spot on my uh, lip uh, that came from many years in the sun. i uh my dermatologist said that really needs to be addressed in a Mohs procedure i had the Mohs procedure which seemed to be very innocent looked like everything had been captured uh, a year and a half later uh, i discovered they discovered uh, city hope that cancer had moved from my lip into my jawbone. Uh, mm-hmm. so uh, i underwent surgery in 2016 uh, and um, uh, the prognosis was uh, was not very uh, encouraging. But when I saw what was happening at the City of Hope, uh, I wanted to be involved. And so uh, as I started uh, through uh, surgery and radiation and chemotherapy, I wanted to help. And so uh, I told the City of Hope I wanted to do a celebrity golf tournament to raise money. Uh, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I will. My wife, beautiful wife, Cheryl, said, you've got to be the only person at City of Hope with about a 20% chance here, and you're going to do a golf tournament at City (laughs) of (laughs) Hope. That's it. (laughs) And so uh, we've had um, uh, two um, successful uh, golf tournaments for the City of Hope, raised a half million dollars in the two years. Uh, It has been uh, the greatest achievement uh, of my lifetime just to be a part this, and there isn't really anything that's a close second, because I see the great work that's done there, and you talk about good causes, and you talk about young people who are involved, who are accomplished, uh, who uh, just are giving so much that it's made a, um, a great uh, impact uh, on my life, and it's really saved my life. The, certainly puts life in a different perspective. Uh, but I was uh, through the help of so many friends and supporters, we were able to have these two tournaments. And um, I'm now a, a patient speaker for the City of Hope, and had mm-hmm. the great honor of speaking at their um, leadership conference in uh, in October.
1: Wow. Well, as someone who is one of millions whose families have been touched by yeah. cancer, thank you for doing that. There.
0: I'm just a private in that army. I mean, what? A, what? A, really, just a private. I'm, I have barely got a private rank, that because when you look at what so many have been through and what so many have given, but I'm just happy to be in a position to just be uh, a part of the uh, uh, of the army uh, in in a fight that has affected all of us and our families and friends.
1: Mm-hmm. A caretaker for the legacy, yes? <laughs> yes. A few very lighthearted questions sure. to see if Fred Clear is really as impractically perfect as the rest of us. Uh, what is your favorite pizza order and from where?
0: Give a plug to uh, my favorite and my wife's favorite. It is, uh, and you'll like this part of it, it is mm-hmm. Cetabella in Pasadena on Colorado Boulevard. And it was started mm-hmm. by a former quarterback, Uh for the USC Trojans and the Margarita <laughs> Pizza. And Cheryl and I, uh, with that, uh, have just been a very wonderful Saturday night. Summer or Winter Olympics for you? Oh, no question. Oh, no question. Summer Olympics.
1: To bring us home, Mr. Claire, finish this statement for me without using a word that begins with P. Practice makes.
0: Practice
1: makes. Uh, improvement. I like it. Practice makes improvement. Thank you. Casey, good to be with you. For more information about today's guest, Fred Clare, please visit impracticallyperfect.org, where you'll find a guest section with individual pages for each guest, including Fred Clare and his work with the City of Hope and other projects. Thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, sports psychologist, Dr. Casey Cooper. And until next time, be excellent, everyone. Take care.